0: thank you for listening to the motion city church podcast as we wrap up our series if then we are reminded that we have to look for the signs that god gives rather than the signs that we want for our lives let's listen in as we are uh kind of landing the plane on this series uh, one of the things about me that um maybe you know or maybe you don't know is that i am a huge fan of movies i i love movies um for those, again, who have known me for a while, this is, this is not news to me. One of my favorite uh, apps is IMDb, because I just love uh, knowing stuff about movies. A few movies that I will say I am very uh, excited about. Uh, one movie that I am that I'm e- uniquely excited about is the, the new Power Rangers movie, um, because that just brings me back to a good time. That just brings me back to a good place uh, when I was in elementary school. So there's a new Power Rangers movie coming out that I will be going to see, and if anyone wants to go see it, we'll make it a group thing. It'll be great. Um, but... I like books too i don 't want to get i don't want to like put that point past everybody like I am a reader. You know what I mean I do enjoy the written word, but there's something about movies that have the ability to tell such a a, a, a very good story uh, has the ability to tell a story in a very unique visual way and it's and it's the kind of Experience with with films that I had that kind of capture my imagination and have the, the capacity and the and the tendency to capture my heart and and one of the things I, I love uh, when it comes to movies is I love movies that are uh, that are open ended at the end uh, I love movies that leave you with kind of a sense of of kind of tension because this is not how it should have been. Like, he should have gotten the girl. They should have had the baby. They should have done da 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 da, da and you can kind of list on and on. And, and usually, if there is an ending that has been unconcluded, if it's in my house, it usually brings my wife uh, a, a very large amount of stress and brings me inexperienceable, unexplainable joy. Uh, if we watch a movie for an hour, for ni- if my wife is going to commit 90 minutes to watching a movie, that, that thing had better be resolved at the end of it. And if it's not, I, she'll usually say something to the lines of this. She goes, I cannot believe I just wasted all of that time on this. And then automatically I'll just be, that was a great ending. That was a great ending. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, if I could just share, one of my favorites when it comes to this idea of unresolved endings, is, is Christopher Nolan's movie, Inception. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies, and, and because I, I love it, I want you to experience some of it, so uh, I'm gonna play you the trailer right now. There's one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security subconscious security
1: you're talking about dreams
0: mr Cobb has a job offer he would like to discuss with you
1: like a work placement
0: not exactly we create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their secrets.
1: Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal,
0: it's called Inception.
1: something is actually strange.
0: This is your responsibility! We are not prepared for this... out of control you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger darling so just if i could just ask a very easy like and this is what i'm talking about when you got the music and you've got the scenes like is anyone just slightly stressed out like anybody else just kind of slightly stressed out see The thing that I love, and again, what I love about movies, and what I love about just the cinematic sort of creative experience is the layers that when a movie or when a story is told in such a way that it captures the, the, like, the the total person of who we are, and there's there's something that happens when we begin to be lost in the layers of a story, and If the story's really good, you're going to forget at a certain point where the beginning layer existed. And as I was watching Inception, like, I was like, yes, that's how it's, g-. and then something happens, I'm like, oh, that's right, that happened. And then it's like, so then I'm like, okay, yeah, we're going to, no, no, that happened too. Shoot, I am totally, like, lost in this total story. And then there's this opportunity for the storyteller, where they can wrap it up in a nice pretty bow and everything for the hero, and, and, and everything, and everyone works out well. But then there's, when, you, when it's a really good story, There's something that the storyteller does or doesn't do that leaves its audience at a place of tension because you just begin to ask yourself, this can't be the end. This can't be the way that the story ends. Because I think, just as people, we are people who desire resolution. We want a situation or a circumstance to be resolved, we want there to be closure. We want life to make sense. But how many of us know that life doesn't always bring about resolution in the way that we want it to? Life doesn't always give us closure in the way that we were expecting or anticipating. And life doesn't always make sense. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a specific passage of the Bible in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and what, we're do- what we've been doing uh, is we've been looking at a conversation that God is having with, with King Solomon. And uh, if you haven't been with us throughout the, the totality of the series, um, in week one, I, I did apologize. My brain was scrambled eggs. It was New Year's Day. Um, don't listen to that message. But what I tried to convey is that how God— addresses that in life there are going to be moments and seasons of difficulty. God even says, I will bring about some of these seasons. I will bring about in your life certain seasons of difficulty. And what God is doing is he's speaking to Solomon on a national level. He's speaking, as I I refer to it often, on a macro level. He begins to explain, but in the midst of those difficult seasons, and and he hits us with just such a powerful explanation. But he says, But if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Week two, we talked about that the conversation that God's having with Solomon goes from a national level to a personal level. God begins to, to discuss with King Solomon that if, if, he, if King Solomon wants to see a dynasty happen that God has promised to King David, uh, King Solomon's father, if you want to see a dynasty, or the word that we discussed was legacy, if you want to see a legacy happen that you are proud of, that you are, pr- if, if, that you are for, then, then there's certain things, Solomon, that you need to do. And one of the things you need to do is follow me the way that your dad did. We talked about this idea of legacy, that all of us leave a legacy. And the two questions that we have to continually ask ourselves is this. Question one, what kind of legacy do I want to leave? That's a very important question. What type of legacy do I want to leave? Because how many of y'all know you don't build a house on accident? There's plans. There's plans that are brought in place. And if you are living in a house that was built without plans, move. And, but maybe don't move for a little bit because I got a tip about a potentially great new realtor coming on the market and just, you know, in, in, in no time at all. So, you know, it would take your chances, but then we'll, we'll hook you up. It'll be great. Um, but what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And then the second question, which is more important than the first, what kind of legacy am I actually leaving? Because we all leave a legacy. But a legacy worth leaving and a legacy worth following are those that are established in God and His plans. See, the reason God told Solomon, follow me the way that your dad followed me, is because King David, although he was imperfect, and although he failed at certain times, he was faithful to God even in the midst of his failure. His failure didn't become his identity, but his failure became the trajectory in which he followed God more intensely, more purposefully, more intentionally. And so many of us, I think, live a life where we assume that our identity exists within the failure that we achieve. But when failure is purposed towards the position of God, our failure becomes a catalyst. Our failure can bring freedom to people who need to know that there is freedom from failure. Amen? And so we talked about that last week. If you weren't here, I just feel bad for you just all, all over the board because we had the Prince family from Swaziland, Africa here, and they were incredible. Like, I hope if you were here, you were encouraged, that you were inspired, that, man, sometimes taking steps of faith look crazy to other people. But if we are faithful to the things that God calls us to, then he is faithful to meet us on the other side. So if you didn't listen to any podcast of this series, listen to last week's. It is amazing. It is just amazing. Um, But this week, as we are landing this plane— uh, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 7, and we're going to be looking specifically at verses 19 through 22. Or if you don't have a Bible and you have a smartphone or a tablet or however you read the Bible— get that ready now. Uh, If you don't have a Bible that's yours, what I want to say is this. We have Bibles that we have available for free back at the Welcome Center. That's our gift to you. So if you don't own a Bible that's like, yep, this is my Bible, man, grab one at the Welcome Center. Take it home with you. That is our gift to you. Um, But if you don't have a Bible, the verses will be up on the screen. Um, And so here we go. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 19 through 22. This is what the Bible says. But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees and commands I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that you have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by it will be appalled. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be, because his people abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt, and they worshipped other gods instead and bowed down to them. That is why he has brought all these disasters upon them. Have a great week. See you later. So when we initially talk about this idea of of tension, like like if there's a storyteller that can create tension, like this is that moment where the tension is so real and the tension exists, and God is issuing Solomon a very clear warning, a warning that if you or your descendants, so this isn't just a Solomon issue, this is the people who come after Solomon, if you or your descendants abandon me, then the Bible says, God says that I will uproot. Have you ever uprooted something before? My mom has uprooted dandelions. It's not a very, like, tough analogy, but it's, it's the analogy we're going to use. Um, my mom just has a—she hates them. Vendetta, again, it's like they, they, like, insulted her family, and her whole life has been driven around the fact that she will kill every dandelion. So if you know small children—she will knock dandelions out of children's hands and then shove those kids to the ground. I'm just kidding. She won't do that. Um, man, Steve's his, his, his mom, Pastor Steve, his, his mom sounds mean. She's not mean. Um, she just hates dandelions. And, um, and but I, had, I remember watching, I would, get, I would pull into the driveway from, from when I was in high school, and I would just see my mom in this glowing, huddled mess over over these dandelions. And she would just be, like, digging them out and yanking them up by the root. and, And, and the idea that when we look at what God says, like, I'm going to uproot, like, Taking from the roots and removing a people from a land, removing people like it's not a gentle process, and it's a process that's ultimately supposed to eliminate any remnants. So I mean, when you think about God saying, "Here's the deal, Solomon," if but if you or your descendants abandon me, I'm going to uproot you. I'm going to make you objects of mockery and ridicule. I mean, this is a huge warning that God is giving to Solomon. It's, it's, I mean, it's probably one of the biggest if-thens that we've talked about in this entire series. But if I can be honest, I struggle through statements like this. I struggle with the fact that this is how God ends this specific conversation, because it doesn't reveal an issue about God. And I want it to, I wanted very much to deal with an issue about God. But here's the deal, man. God has no issues to deal with. He is perfect, and he is holy, and he is—I mean, he is awesome. He's God. But here's the deal. What it does is it reveals very much and addresses very much issues that I have. See, the reality is I, like the people of Israel, am very quick to abandon God. Whether it's because things get difficult— or things don't go my way, more often than not, I am the one who abandons God's plans, and then I have the audacity of blaming God for abandoning me. But so often I forget, and so often we forget, that because we are prone to do this as well, it's because what God is doing is He's setting the bar so ridiculously high when it comes to the when it comes to the characteristic that we know of faithful. We, we, we struggle because it's not simply just a characteristic about God. It's, it's who he is. And, and, and the Bible talks very much about God's faithfulness. We're going to go through these really fast. In Deuteronomy 31.6, as Moses is passing leadership from himself to Joshua, Moses reminds Joshua, he says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 5, God is encouraging and reminding Joshua that no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And then in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the writer is in his final remarks are reminding those Jews who have converted to Christianity, who are now Christ followers, he's, he's, he's giving him just kind of the overall uh, summary of, of this letter that, he's, the, the writer, the letter that the writer has written. He says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you had, for God said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. The truth is, we may leave God, but God never leaves us. No matter how bleak the situation may appear, no matter how empty the feelings we have are, God will never leave you. His promises are true. His word is our source, and so we can move forward because he goes before us. And if God is for us, who or what could be against us? If God is for us, who or what could be against us? And as we look at the warning that God is giving to Solomon, and the warning that I believe he is giving many of us today, what I want you to know is that God warns us because he loves us. God warns us because he loves us. If God wouldn't warn us, When our lives are getting off track, if God didn't warn us, when we are on the verge of making a disaster of our marriage, a disaster of our finances, a disaster of our character, then it would be proof that God is not faithful, nor does He love us. And I know for me, and I know for many of you, we've wound up in places that we never intended to be, doing things that we never intended on doing, and hurting people that we never planned on hurting. And we end up kind of with the response of, What the heck, God? Where was the flashing sign? Where were the angels littered throughout the heavens? How come you didn't warn me about this disaster coming? And we forget about those nudges. We forget about those moments of second thought. We forget about those doubts that we have and we pass them off as bad pizza rather than the Holy Spirit giving us and our spirits a check. And many of us have found—and many of us and, like, the people of Israel have found themselves in a place they never intended to be, doing things they never intended to do, and hurting people they never intended on hurting because they got so good at ignoring the signs. God gives us signs— But we have to look for the signs that God gives rather than the signs that we want. We have to, I'm gonna repeat that, because we have to look for the signs that God gives rather than the signs that we want. Because I have wound up in some pretty awful relationships, some pretty awful places. I moved to Missouri because I didn't heed the warning of God. And just like Sean Connery and in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade they will preach, don't, don't diss my boy Sean uh, But it was like those moments when I missed those nudges And I wind up in Missouri It's like I am a pilgrim in an unholy land Because here's the deal I'm super good at ignoring the signs I'm really good at it guys like if it was an Olympic sport, I would at least be on the podium. I don't want to say gold. I'll take silver. I'll take bronze. But, you know, sometimes. Who knows? See, God is, always war- God is also warning the- Solomon not about an outcome based in the future that will happen. But what he's doing is he's reminding Solomon of an outcome that has been based in habits in the past. This year, and I know I've said this a lot during this series, but here's the deal. I think it's worth repeating. This year, I desire, and I hope, and I need, and I want this year to be different than last. I want, I need this year to be different than last year. And so here's the deal. I own the responsibility to make the decisions and put the things into practice and put the things in order to achieve the outcome that I desire. If I want to get in shape but eat McDonald's three times a week and then blame McDonald's for helping me, for not getting me, I mean, that's, that's craziness. That's crazy. I have a responsibility to own the things that I am supposed to own, to be in charge of the things that I can be in charge of. And my responsibility is not often to, co- co- to continue to look towards the preferred future that I want, but to take the responsibility and look from where I came and learn from the areas of my life in which I failed. And I don't know, and here's the deal, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of things to learn from. I got a lot of experiences and conversations to learn from. I can't continue to do things the same way and expect different results. And God is reminding Solomon of Israel's history that they are a people who all too often abandon the plans of God. That God is calling Solomon, remember the habits that have created your future. Because the truth is, your habits will create your history. Your habits will create your history. Solomon, you want a different history? Then establish yourself, root yourself, anchor yourself in who I am. Not simply what I can do, but in who I am. When our lives and our legacies are anchored in God through Christ, then failure, once again, does not simply mean failure, but it's a tool that God has designed and will use towards our preferred future. Towards a future that brings Him glory and sees lives transformed in the process. But it begins with us taking the initiative towards a fresh start, towards a new direction. But if, if I can ask the question, the big question, that maybe many of you have asked, maybe it's this morning or maybe it's throughout your entire life, but, but if God wants my obedience, if God wants my faithfulness, then why not simply create me obedient? Why not simply create me to be someone who just follows God's commands no matter what they are? I mean, wouldn't that have been easier just to create a species of people that are just simply obedient? To always obey God, to always do what He says. And here's the deal. Yes, it would have been easier. I I experience that every day with my children. It would be so much easier for you right now, Taylor and Addison, if you would just follow what I say. It would be so much easier for you right now if you just did what I say. It would be so much easier if you, for you if you go along with this plan. And yes, it would be easier. But what I would miss out and what God knew that he would miss out was that he's not after simple robotic Religious obedience, but what he is after at the, at the core of who he is, he is relational, and he desires a relationship. See, I don't want my kids to do what I say because they don't want to get, in. I want, I want there to be such an intimacy in their relationship, that there's not a doubt in Taylor or Addison's mind that when what I'm asking them to do is for their own good, is for their joy, Maybe not for their happiness in the the moment, but for the joy that's down the road. God at the center of who he is, is relational. We see it at the start of the book, we see it at, at Genesis, when God is having a conversation With the the triune God, with the Trinity, when he says, let's make man in our image. God is having a conversation in the midst of relationship. And we get from Genesis 1, the first inkling of the fact, the first revelation of the fact that God is a relational God. And if God is a relational God, why would he not desire to have a relationship with his creation? But here's the deal, we we had a really good relationship with God. God. It was perfect. God spoke to mankind, mankind spoke to God. There was a unity that existed between God and man. But the truth is we broke, we broke it. We broke that relationship and until We get to the Gospels, we see that God is continually reminding His people, the people of Israel, of who He is, of how much He loves them, trying to do something to solidify the relationship back to Himself, to try and bring the the, the purity and the unity of the relationship back into right standing. But all of a sudden we get to the end of the Old Testament, God stops speaking for 400 years, and then we get to the Gospels where all of a sudden we're introduced to this baby named Jesus. And God pushes all, if I can use a gambling analogy, I apologize in church if this offends you, but it's the only analogy that pops in my head. God pushes not all of his chips, but he puts his one big one in the middle of the table. And he sends Jesus. He sends his one and only son into this world. I love what John chapter 1 verses 14 through 18 tell us. It says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love, and there's that word again, faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, "'This is the one I was talking about.'" About when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. And from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. And I love this. He has revealed God to us. Jesus is the physical proof of God's faithfulness. If you have ever wondered if God is faithful, all we have to do, and it is very simple, and it is very profound, is we look to the person of Jesus. We look to the life that he lived, lives, to the sacrifices that he made, ultimately putting himself on a cross to be the one and only ransom for many. We see God's faithfulness through the physical person of Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, starting in verse 16 And I I didn't write tells us, but I wrote declares to us. John 3, starting in verse 16, it declares to us, for this is how we know God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on the fact that God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light be, hate the light, and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come into the light, so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. And see, the reality is that this morning we are— left in the same tension that God leaves Solomon we're left with the same choice and the choice is what do we do with this this morning I think we can do one of two things I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up this morning we can do one of two things one we can simply allow the information to be information we can allow it to be facts that just come and go as as facts do we know a, i think we know a lot of facts just as people I, I i know i do and a lot of it's worthless maybe every once in a while it'll get me 10 cents off a cup of coffee at Caribou but the reality is i i know a lot of facts and we can allow this this conversation this the the this scripture this this Experience this interaction between God and Solomon, we can allow it to be facts, or we can allow the facts to change our hearts. That we would move from where we are to a new place of understanding for the love that God has for us. But not simply for us, but for those who have yet to experience the life-changing love of Jesus, what I love about verses 19 through 22 of John 3 is that God put, that Jesus puts into perspective why we exist. That, God, that Jesus puts into perspective once we've been saved, so often we just sit for the fact that we've been saved. And that's good enough for us. Well, here's the deal. It's not good enough. It wasn't good enough for Jesus, and it's not good enough for us. But our purpose and our mission and our drive is not that we would simply sit back and wait for heaven, but that we would be about exposing the light to people living in darkness. Not that we could grow huge churches and have impressive ministries, so, but so that others can see that what we are doing is what God wants. Because God desires a relationship with all of his creation. We have all been created and imparted with the imprint of God. Therefore, our lives, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, hold intrinsic value because our creator has marked us as valuable so as his followers maybe it's not about bringing Jesus' love but bringing a value to the people bringing value to people who who don't think they have value to bringing a purpose that only Jesus brings to those who don't know that their lives serve purpose but at the end of it all this is about what doing this is about doing what God wants here's the hard part for me is I can't tell you what to do with this or I can't even really tell you in, in this way how to do it I wish I could really truthfully honestly I wish I could and I pray so much every Sunday, every time we're together that we would experience the presence of God in such a real way that that it would be an irrevocable unresponsible sort of decision to allow it simply to to stay in our heads but that it would affect our hearts and it would affect every aspect about our lives but the truth is you you have to make that choice I have to make that choice And just as God put the ball back in Solomon's court at the end of the conversation, I believe that God is putting the ball back in your court this morning. And he's asking you the question, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And so this morning, I'm going to bring back something I haven't brought back in this this series, but I'm going to bring a big idea to everybody this morning. And the big idea for this morning is this. If you want to see God do great things, you have to do things God's way. If you want to see God do great things, then you have to do things God's way. This is the thesis of the conversation between God and Solomon. Solomon, if you want to see things happen, if you want to see your land blessed, if you want to see your legacy established, if you want crazy things to turn into faith things, which turn into life changing things, then you have to do things my way. And I know we're a culture that values updates and technological advances and all this, but this is a question that has no updates. The same question that God asked Solomon. It's the same question that God asks us this morning. What are we going to do? Later? If we want to see God do big things, then we have to do things God's way. And so this morning, I put the ball back in your court. Would do we stand this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your love and for your mercy. God, I thank you that you love us enough to warn us. I love... You for the fact that you allow us to alter our legacy, alter our history. And Jesus, I am so grateful that whenever I wonder if God has lost the ability to be faithful, I can look at the life that you lived, and I can look at the death that you died for me, because Jesus, you are the physical proof of God's faithfulness. God, would you minister to people's hearts right now? God, people who feel that they're at a crossroads, God, would you speak to them? Would you minister to them so perfectly? God, I pray, though, that you 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 wouldn't throw out the big sign, but you would just nudge them in the way that, God, you're desiring for them to go. And, God, for us, would we become once again sensitive to your nudges, not to your shouts? God, I want to see you do great things. I want to see you do great things in my life. I want to see you do great things in my wife's life. I want to see you do great things in my kid's life. I want to see you do great things in this church's life. I want to see you do great things in this city. I want to see you do great things in this state. I want to see you do great things in this nation. I want to see you do great things in this world. And so God, would you forgive me for doing things my way and expecting you to bless it? But God, this morning, I ask for your forgiveness and I declare that God, I will do things your way. No matter where it takes me, no matter what happens to me, how do I do things your way? God, thanks for loving me enough toward me. In Jesus' name. I encourage you as we go into this last
1: song to just position yourself in a way that you can reflect on just everything that's happened today.
0: If that's coming and kneeling at the altar or just sitting in silence or reading your Bible or singing out, just find a way to just connect with God in the most personal way that you can. because we are so grateful that we serve God as good as you are. So we pray all these things in your name. Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. We want to be able to walk with you and beside you as we go throughout life. So if you ever have a need for prayer, we want to be able to pray with you please email us at motioncityprayer at gmail.com. We would also love to have you join us in person next week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.